Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Whitney Sewell. Whitney is the founder of LifeBridge Capital and works with accredited investors to help improve their investment returns via multifamily syndication. Uh, he is currently invested in over 900 doors and valued at over $120 million. Uh, Whitney hosts The Real Estate Syndication Show, a daily podcast interviewing experts providing cutting-edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. He and his wife also have two adopted sons and a third adopted child on the way and donate up to 50% of their own profits to adoption, which is great to hear. So how are you doing today, Whitney? Doing great. Doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show, Charles. And I would say, I would update that. We need to update that bio because we just brought our daughter home through adoption, our third child, uh, just like, uh, well, about a week and a half ago now. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So, Whitney, tell us a little background. I know you've been investing since 2009. And what, what, what did you do before real estate and what got you into real estate? I was uh, in the military, went overseas for a year and come home. And then I, I was on that hunt then of what can I do? What am I qualified to do? And law enforcement then was kind of a, a shoe in, you know, being in military and having that experience. And so I, I joined Kentucky State Police and started working for them. I loved working the road as an officer and I would have almost done it for free when I first got started, but uh, quickly found out that there was no way to make much money being a police officer, unfortunately, and was always going to be stuck working those nights and weekends and holidays. And then, then got married and first whole year of marriage, my wife and I passed each other in the hallway. And so quickly found out that, okay, this is not what's best, you know, for our family long term. And that, that really put me on that hunt to looking for something else. I wasn't raised in an entrepreneurial family or real estate background, you know, anything like that. And so I, I wasn't exposed to that just yet. But in came either Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something like that, that exposed me to this possibility of real estate and all these, you know, multimillionaires who made their wealth through real estate. I thought, okay, you know, if these guys can do it, I can too. And so that, that started th that real estate journey. I quickly bought a couple of triplexes in Kentucky mm -hmm. and made a lot of mistakes, learned a lot the hard way, you know, and, and a lot of sleepless nights and just working on, you know, trying to get more tenants or working on units, whatever that was, but learned a lot. And, you know, then that, that transitioned to many things, but uh, we moved to, I took a federal position, which which was a big step up for most police officers that led us to where we're at now in Virginia. Uh, but then quickly uh, got into the uh, syndication business after learning how we could scale that business. So we can get into that. But, uh, uh, but that's, you know, that's initially how I was exposed to real estate and why it was just that need of, hmm. oh, you know, wait a minute, I've got to find some way to make more income and income real estate. Yeah. It's the lifestyle and then also the flexibility and also the, uh, the income as well. So do you still own those triplexes in Kentucky? No, we sold those when we moved to Virginia. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> so what, for your properties that you, I mean, you syndicate properties now and we'll get more into that as we go, but uh, what type of properties does your firm, do you guys target now? Is it all multifamily or... It is. We are strictly focused on multifamily and I, I like being focused, you know, in one asset class, you know, for now anyway. And uh, yeah, 150 plus, we, we'll look at anything, 100 or more units, but we'd prefer 150 plus and uh, class uh, B plus to B, I mean, uh, C plus to B minus, 
with some type of value add. Yeah. And what, what type of markets are you guys currently looking in, especially at this point in the cycle that you still, still see has a lot of opportunity or opportunity at all? Yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely opportunities. You know, it's, you know, everybody sees this, this thing coming, right? You know, in the market and we feel like, you know, it's coming. We don't know when, but, you know, people have been saying that for years, but, uh, but it's, it's more about being prepared you know, for it and how you prepare, uh, but too, but understanding your market, but, uh, we're in Colorado Springs at the moment. Um, we really like Colorado Springs and, and we've been in Texas a little while and, and which is still a great market, but uh, we're focused and I have a partner that's in Denver. And, and so we have boots on the ground there as well. And, and, uh, you know, that market's growing rapidly and, and doing very well. Can you talk a little bit about the Colorado Springs deal? Was that like a 506B or was that a 506C that you could talk about or? Yeah. Yeah. It was a 506B. I mean, it's closed. It's okay. done now, you know, so, uh, but yeah, hundred. it was 180 units in Colorado Springs and we, it was a, a C, C plus property and, um, you know, with some light value adds, you know, that property specifically had uh, like a 20% loss to lease. So from the, you know, current rents to the market rents, there was a, like 20% difference when we put that deal under contract. And then, you know, by the time we closed, we'd already closed, or the units that had turned were already, you know, had gained 15% of that loss. And then, you know, and even now uh, it's, it, we've only been uh, closed on that deal about two months now. And the units that are turning are, you know, 75 to $80 above what we even projected. So, you know, it's going very well. That market's doing very well. You know, it, I mean, it's known as what, like the fourth or fifth best city to live in. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we really like it. That's great. That's a great, uh, was that an on market deal or did you get off market through a broker? It was on market. It, it, yeah, yeah it, it, it was on market through a broker. Oh. Colorado is such a, such a hot market right now. There's so many different um, parts within it. I mean, obviously Denver as a Denver just is itself, but these uh, so many other markets within it that we've been looking at it as well. It's just, it's really great. Now, when we spoke a couple months back, you had a potential investor that was international since our podcast is kind of based around international investors investing in the US. And what you had an issue getting him involved into one of your deals. What kind of problems did you have and how are you working with that investor now? Yeah. So we had, well, we've had numerous investors, international investors that have wanted to invest with us. And so it really led me to start doing some research, right? Like I, I want to be able to accommodate them. And at the time from other sponsors that I'd talked to, most were like, oh no, you know, it's too much of an accounting burden. It's too much of a, you know, all these things. It's just better to stay away from that. But I'm like, no, wait a minute. You know, I feel like we can figure this out. I know there's guys who are accepting international investors and, and I know there's a way that we can make this happen. We just have to figure it out. Right. And so, so at that time, you know, that investor specifically, he, he had not invested in a syndication in the U.S. at the time or, or invested in the U.S. And so, you know, we tried to start him to, you know, getting that U.S. entity created and, and some of that and getting it funded so he can invest that way. And, uh, but he, he couldn't get it created in time or the U.S. entity and get it funded in time. So he wasn't able to invest that time, but we're hoping, you know, he'll be prepared for the next one. And, but we've also had numerous conversations with different attorneys recently and specifically asking about, you know, structuring this and, and uh, there's numerous ways, or it sounds a couple ways it can be done, but, mm -hmm. but one is that, that having the U.S. entity and them funding that entity, you know, and funding your deal. And, you know, we're trying to figure figure out the, you know, confirming, you know, do we have to hold the 30%, you know, and when do we do that? And, and some of those issues that we're not, we're just not familiar with that we're trying to confirm that we're doing it correctly from the beginning. 
Yeah. There's a lot of facets to it, but it's, it's one of those things where if they're interested in investing as LP, or even if they're doing direct investing, they have to get that. The entity is the easiest way always of getting set up first and then Mm -hmm. working with a CPA and of course, an attorney that knows kind of how to deal with working with them and how to deal obviously with the taxes. I had a, uh, a CPA on that focused on with foreign investors and he was saying that, I mean, even the smallest things, even if they passed away and it went in the state, and it's much different, you know, with federal, it's $11 million really collectively for uh, you avoid state tax, depending, not, not counting on your state. But the thing is that it's only $60,000 with international investors. So that could be one syndication with the minimum investment, which is traditionally $50,000. You could, if say, God forbid, they, they passed away or something like this, I mean, the burden to their family of even just trying to figure out how to will that or how to, you know, it has to be in a trust and all this kind of stuff now. Yeah. You're an expert on doing syndication, obviously, because of your show. And with, with hundreds of different investors that you've worked with, what, when somebody comes to you and speaks to you, whether it's at a conference or they contact you, you know, through your website, what mistakes do you commonly see with new investors when they start investing? So, you know, getting started in this industry is like, is a massive topic. And, and I, I get questions every week. People schedule calls with me every week, you know, and ask, well, how did you get started? How can I get started? What do I need to do? And, you know, what, what if I do this? And, and, you know, a big thing happening right now is, is raising capital. You know, like you hear that term capital raisers, and I'm trying to uh, delete that from my vocabulary, that, that term capital raiser. I mean, cause you know, there's so many issues with that. And e- even that my partner and I've done so much due diligence recently and, and paid a lot of money with a big name attorneys just to confirm we're structuring deals correctly and, and that there's no issues going forward. But, uh, but that's a big way people get started. But one mistake, you know, a big mistake that I see a lot of people doing, I feel is a mistake, is just like partnering with any sponsor or just like numerous sponsors and trying to raise capital, even if they're bringing a couple hundred thousand. They're just, you know, I see their deals, they're sending them to me and they're partnering with just numerous, numerous sponsors and, and not really knowing that sponsor, doing much due diligence, you know, and so, you know, and, and what, I, what I tell people is if you are building a business and this is going to be a long-term thing, you know, you're going to be connected to that sponsor for the life of that deal. You know, if it's a five-year hold, if it's 10-year, like you are going to be connected to that sponsor for that entire time. And bigger than that, these investors that you're getting started with that are trusting you are going to be connected to that sponsor as well. You know, and so, you know, if their communication is poor, if their track record is poor, if all these things or, you know, they don't know how to operate a deal, there's all, th- all these things that you need to know that they know how to do, you know, and if they don't do those things properly, you're going to be answering those questions to your investors for the life of that deal. You know, and it's just a hard way to get start, started, you know, if you get off on the wrong step like that or, or, or you know, separating from that sponsor then is almost impossible um, for the life of that deal anyway. And so, but it can really hinder that relationship going forward to future deals with these investors who have trusted you, you know, of course. Um, and so, you know, there's other things we can talk about too, just how to do that properly if you want. Uh, but that's, that's one of the big mistakes that I see people doing now. It's not, not really being patient you know, and learning that side of the industry and really choosing wisely who they're going to partner with, you know, and understanding really that, that whole mesh of how they come into the deal. Yeah, because it's, it's a term that's commonly thrown around. And this is something with the deal that we closed a couple of weeks ago, we had our first call with all the GPs last night. And it was, it's now, I mean, you have to figure out, yeah, it's capital raising. They throw that around all day long, but it's very important that they're actually not just managing their investors, which is a given, but it's also that they are have part of the asset management mm-hmm. and they're signing on the loan and they're fully connected to the whole deal. 
Right. So it's one of those things where you have to really 100% know your other partners. Because first of all, if you're going to go in, you know, I'm going to bring this to the table, this asset management and some this money from my investors, you're doing the same thing. We're both signing on the loan. Well, you have to make sure when it comes to closing that, you know, it's not, well, you got, you brought in more money, you're getting more of the deal. You have to, you know, it's, it's very, you have to be very careful with it because when deals go sideways, that's when all this stuff comes out. And every email you sent back between your GPs is going to come out when the LPs are, are looking for their money or looking for an explanation or both. That's right. And, and, you know, I'm happy to share our due diligence with people. And I, I do, I answer this question all day. It's cost us a lot of money, but uh, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody, you know, that wants to understand this better. But one thing I say is, you know, if you're, and what we hear from attorneys all the time is if your compensation is based on how much capital you bring, then that's the wrong answer. Right. But, but one thing I would say, you know, a question that was asked to me and how to look at this and, and I'll throw this out is if you bring no capital to the deal, how much are you going to be paid? You know, and if the answer is zero, then it's it's not legal, you know, or it's not structured properly. And so, so it's just something to think about. You got to provide other value, like you talked about. You're signing on the debt, you know, or you have some asset management experience, or there's something else as well that you can do. So going in, you know, using that as a uh, forte into the next next question here. What a with building, you know, with syndicating with kind of growing as a team versus growing as an independent person. Obviously, you made the decision to partner with people to, to really multiply your business. What is, uh, when, when doing the team building, what do you think is one of the most important parts of that? And is it kind of each person, each partner is now focusing on a different part of the business? Obviously, we were just talking about capital raising. Or, I mean, but there's really going to be a major person in there that's working on deal flow, there's going to be a major person on doing the marketing for the group and kind of it, it all, it all gets, it all gets combined to get the deal done. So how do you think about like when you're, when you're looking for team members and how did that help you grow your business to where it is now over a thousand units? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, syndication is a team sport. There's no doubt about it. If you go at this alone, you're going to be very lonely. <laughs> you know, you are, I mean, it, you're just not going to get near as far as fast. Uh, but, and so you do have to step out eventually and partner with people and, and find those people. But, but it's something that also that i I took very slowly, you know, in finding that partner that I'm, I mean, really going to be married to, right? I mean, it's a, you know, you're going to be very connected to this person for a very long time. And so I took that very slowly and who I was going to partner with, uh, especially, you know, creating our business and splitting up these tasks. Uh, but, but really, uh, you know, I'm, so, you know, my partner now, and I'll just share a little story, but we, we met at a conference and we were at the, at the same table with numerous people over dinner for a couple nights in a row. And I, I honestly, I've been praying about a partner for a long time and, and had had numerous people ask me about partnering and really held off on that because I just didn't, didn't feel that jive. You know what I mean? I just didn't feel, feel that there. And, and, and so, but I heard this guy talk and I heard about his experience and things he had done in syndication already and, and just his knowledge. And, and it was obvious he was very intelligent. And, and so I just approached him the last night and said, you know, I, I've been praying about a partner for a long time and, and you seem to fit that mold. Um, but, you know, and, and I would like to discuss that with you if that's something you're open to. And so I just took that step, you know, saying that this is what I'm looking for. You seem to fit that but it's no guarantees, you know, and so that, that was only the very beginning of a lot of due diligence that he and I did. You know, we had, I went and spent time at his, I stayed at his house with he and his family for days, you know, just getting to know them more than anything, looking at properties together and just doing different things, but really just seeing him with his family. And we, we had numerous Zoom calls 
and my wife and he, he and his wife and just asking really tough questions, you know, for hours, you know, just really, you know, way outside of real estate, just very personal questions too. And, you know, it's much deeper than real estate, you know, when we're connected like this. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we're aligned personally as well as professionally and just goals with our family as much as with real estate as well. And so, you know, it worked out very well. It's been a real blessing and it's really helped us to move a lot faster because now he is focused on, you know, the asset management and the broker relations where I'm more investor relations and marketing, you know. And so, you know, where, while he's, you know, he's much more of an expert in underwriting deals, uh, but he may underwrite 50 and then say, you know, okay, I've got a couple that we need to look at together, you know, and we'll come together and, and really look at those deals, you know, or walk them together. Or, you know, while he's already done that, walked them as well. Um, but, it, but it allows us to split those roles up so we can perf- uh, perform, you know, much more professional tasks, you know, at a professional level because we can be focused and learn that side of the business a lot better and, and increase that side of the business separately. But putting us together has just really uh, helped us to perform. Um, yeah, I mean, at a much prof- more professional level for one, uh, but then I'm not having to do everything all the yeah. time right? And neither is he. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but we have other partners as well that do lots of other things. But as far as, you know, the core team, it's, it, you know, it's us. Yeah, that's really important because it's every, it's definitely on your strength. So if mm-hmm. you're, if his strength is going through numbers, which a lot of people's not, you know, that's not their, yeah. their strength. And it's also, if they're able to talk, if they're introvert, extrovert, and if they want to go to all the different conferences and do all that kind of networking piece, which is a huge time commitment, obviously for you know, personally, and then it's, it's just a, you know, you really need to have two different people at least plus all everybody else that goes with it because yeah. I mean, right after you close the deal is just when the work starts, you <laughs> That's know, right. That's <laughs> right. I mean, not counting the management teams and yeah. all, you know, all those people, but yeah. I also use virtual assistants a lot, you know, oh. and I've got a, a stellar just rock star virtual assistant, you know, that uh, has taken time, you know, to build that relationship as well. But I encourage everybody to have a virtual assistant yeah. if you don't already. Yeah, I would definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. The virtual assistant is something that will, it's a pain getting it started. It's like systemizing your business where you're writing down everything and like it's, you know, one, two, three, four. But once it's done and you look back after it keeps on rolling and after it's actually rolling well and you're like, this is fantastic because the amount of time is just taking stuff off your plate and simple tasks now are now gone and you're really dealing with the high level kind of uh, processes. So it's very interesting that you've, you've really focused on syndication. I know there's not another... There's not another podcast that I know of that definitely is not daily that does syndication as the as the core focus. So you're you're at 300 podcasts, I think, coming up this week, right? Is that correct? That's correct. We're about to go. I mean, I've recorded way more than that, yeah. a lot more than that now. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, th- uh, yeah, probably this week we'll be we'll publish about uh, around 300 or more. So tell us a little bit about how, about your show, about the guests that you have on. If someone's never heard of it or has never listened to it. Yeah, the real estate syndication show. It is a daily show, as Charles mentioned, and and you know we've just interviewed just all the experts in the industry, and that's it's been amazing for that. It's just a great networking tools. I'm sure you're experiencing as well, Charles. You know, it just allows you to have this face to face time with everybody in the industry. But if you're looking for you know people to invest with, you know, it's a great place for passive investors to go find that operator they're looking to invest with and listen to them on the show. You know, or also you know you'll hear you can go to the website and you can search different types of th- you know things you're looking for as far 
far as syndication. And, you know, and you're going to see different shows come up where we've talked about those things, um, you know, from all aspects of the business. And so I, I didn't, you know, when we started, I didn't know of another syndication podcast. There's lots of real estate ones, uh, but none that were focused on syndication. So I thought, okay, you know, let's make this simple and let's, let's just make it, you know, show exactly what we're focused on. And, and that, you know, that's our business is the syndication model. And, and so that's why, you know, why not focus on it? But, but yeah, the show is going great and, and you can hear, you know, every kind of industry leader and, and then some lots of people that are doing some amazing things, you know, in this business from, you know, every kind of commercial asset. That's awesome. Yeah. It's when I listen to, when I listen to your episodes and it's, it's, if anybody wants to learn anything about syndication or any other thing that we've been talking about in the SEC rules that are very, very confusing, if you haven't heard of them a dozen or two dozen times, but uh, he always has on attorneys, he has on CPAs, other syndicators, uh, very well-known syndicators. And uh, so it's great. If anybody's ever interested in syndication, definitely subscribe to his subscribe to his podcast and also your YouTube channel too, because you do a video. Is that correct? We do. Okay. So yeah. Awesome. And um, so about your company, LifeBridge, we were going through it and you were saying that you guys focus on multifamily, obviously 150 deals plus. You're in a number of different markets. I was looking at everything from North Carolina, Colorado, Texas. And tell us about your your other mission with in regards to uh, you and your wife in regards to adoption and how that coincides with LifeBridge Capital. Yeah, I appreciate you asking about that. I always love sharing about, you know, that our passion about helping helping families adopt children and my wife and I just brought home number 3 through adoption and it is such a roller coaster. The adoption process, you know, it took us 2 years for this adoption process. Our first one was 2 years to the month. Um the second one was a little bit was quite a bit faster, but still just the adoption journey is is uh, just um, horrible. <laughs> you know, there's no other way to say it. They really just have to take advantage. Most, so many people take advantage of you and the situation, you know, the adoptive family financially and emotionally and all those things. Um, but I like to tell people it's so worth it, you know, when you can bring that child home you know, when you can bring them into your family. Our family has been extremely blessed by adoption. But but because of those struggles and because of all the families that we know who would love to adopt, you know, and when we say, you know, it's gonna, you know, it could cost forty to sixty thousand dollars, they're like, well, wait a minute, Whitney, you know, that's that's more than I'm making a year. You know, how can we do that? And so that's where we want to come along beside them and say, you know, if you're if you will commit to a, to this adoption process, if you'll commit to bring this child home, you know, we, we want to be able to help you financially. And so we've committed LifeBridge Capital has, has committed half of our profits to our own, to our nonprofit uh, we're in the process of getting that started at, at the moment but uh, the actual nonprofit we have other other nonprofits that we've partnered with up to this point but uh, but committing half of our profits to helping these families and so you know we just look forward to you know more more children being adopted and you know helping these families get through the process as well so you have your own nonprofit, is that correct? I didn't see we, it when I was looking. Yeah, at it. It, it's not. It's not. I guess officially established. We are in the process of doing the paperwork now. Okay, awesome. Well, let us know when uh, when you actually get that finalized. I imagine it takes some time to do that. And is it? How long does it usually take? Not. I haven't. You know, known too much about adoption before. And I mean, I, I've heard those costs before the forty, sixty thousand, which is outrageous. But what is a time frame on something like that where? you made the decision and then till it happens. Yeah. You're looking one to two years. Most of the time, like I said, two of ours were two years long, the adoption process. Uh, our second was only about nine months, which is kind of unusual. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very long process. 
Wow. Well, that's fantastic. It, it's always great to have a cause um, and give back with uh, one way or another with your business and also personally. So, well, Whitney, I really appreciate you being on the show today. And what I will do is all the links to LifeBridge and information on Whitney, I will put into the show notes and people can get in touch with you. Is there another way I have the LifeBridge Capital website? Is yeah. there any other way that, or is that the best way for people to reach? No, you can obviously contact us on the website, lifebridgecapital.com. You can email me, Whitney at lifebridgecapital.com. You can also call or text me, 540-585-4338. Okay. I will put all that information into the notes for anybody. And uh, that's great. Well, thank you very much and have a great rest of your week. My pleasure. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.